Welcome to Willow Park Church. It is the final Sunday before Christmas Eve, the fourth Advent, and we are so blessed that you've joined us. Fantastic. You can feel the excitement and the joy of Christmas as we prepare. And we're looking forward at Willow Park Church for our Christmas Eve services when so many people will be gathering to worship and give praise to the King. We're so honoured that we have this opportunity to share with our community all the goodness of God and to share the fact that Jesus Christ is the greatest gift, the greatest gift to our community. It's pretty soon, of course, in four days time or five days, depending on when you open your presents, you will be celebrating gifts and kindness and goodness. A little bit different than perhaps past years, but what we do know is that we have and enjoy the greatest gift that has ever been given to the world, the gift of Christ, the gift of salvation, the gift of hope, the gift of love, the gift of joy. And our final candle, which we will be thinking of and celebrating through this service is the gift of peace. What a gift that is. The peace of God that comes to us. I am so excited. And we're going to be singing wonderful carols. They're all ready to sing great carols as we celebrate and and just, just declare the coming of the King and all the goodness that Jesus Christ has given to us. So let me pray. And as you gather online, uh, thank you. And I pray that this time will bless you and encourage you and lift your spirits and that you may connect with the Lord in a very deep and powerful way within your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the gift that it is to our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we have truly been given hope, that where there seems no hope, we have been given the hope that is in Christ Jesus. That we have been given the love, the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whomsoever believe in him shall not perish but can receive eternal life. That is great love. And we thank you Lord for the joy The joy that comes by receiving Christ. The joy that the shepherds experienced on that hillside when the angels of the Lord came and sang the glory of God about the gift of one that was born in David's city. The gift of one that was born in Bethlehem. We are so thankful, Lord. And I pray as we listen to these carols, as we celebrate together, that your closeness, Emmanuel, God with us, will come to each one. Whatever everyone is facing, I pray that Emmanuel will come to them. Emmanuel, God with us, God's presence, God's power, God's strength will come right now, Lord, I ask. In your precious name, Amen. Amen. Well, you're in for a treat, so enjoy these classic and beautiful tunes as we celebrate this way by singing these carols. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing all the plain. And the mountains in 
Merry Christmas. We want to light the fourth candle and as we remember peace, the peace that comes through Christ. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and establish and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Don't you love those words? When we remember that he is the Prince of Peace. The child was born. And the reason the child was born was to bring peace into the world. Through Christ, of course, we can have peace with God. What a gift that is. That where there was separation, where there was Spiritual war taking place on within our lives. Conflict between God's will and our will. Between our selfishness and God's divine will and purpose for our lives. Christ showed us the way to receive that peace with God. So we once again can commune with God and know God. And the advent, the coming of Christ gives us that peace in our lives. And of course there is then peace with men, that the work of Christ in our lives brings that peace, that connection, that forgiveness, that love, that honouring towards others, that he came and showed us the way that we should live, the way that we should act, the way that we should speak and yet this seems so impossible because he was so perfect and wonderful and yet with the word of spirit in our lives changing our character bringing that inner transformation suddenly the power of sin is broken and true peace comes into our lives peace with God peace with mankind peace within our own lives. So many people are searching for that peace. They're looking for it in all kinds of different situations, 
all kinds of ways. But true peace is only found through connecting or reconnecting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, with the Prince of Peace who comes and reigns in our lives. Let's continue to celebrate that true message of Christmas, the peace that comes and dwells amongst us. You are the first You go before You are the last Lord, you're the encore Your names and lights For all to see The starry host Declare your glory Glory in the highest Glory in the Whatever 
rose Proclaim your birth Glory to God Peace be on the earth Your name is near Emmanuel God with us here God pleased with us to dwell Tender and mild Sleep
sleep in heavenly peace. What a powerful thought. Receiving peace. How do we receive peace? Well, very simply, we receive peace by receiving Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. And when you give your life to Jesus, it's as if all of the beautiful symbolism of these candles come alive within who you are. Suddenly you know that there is hope, that powerful hope that is caught and captured in the life of Jesus and what he achieved. There is love, the love of God that was manifest to the world through the gift of Jesus as he was born in Bethlehem. What love it was that God showed to us. There is joy, joy that is the gift of salvation that comes and changes our lives. And then of course, what we've been celebrating on this Sunday before Christmas Eve, just a few days, we've been celebrating the peace, the glorious peace of God that is only found through Christ. The kingdom of God is such a beautiful thing. Recently I said that the kingdom of God is like a glorious castle. And yet within it there are palaces and rooms and banquets and so many good gifts. But there's no way to get into this palace. There's no way to get into this castle except one drawbridge. And that one drawbridge is called the cross. And the cross was there so we can travel through and over the bridge into God's palace, into God's kingdom, into his glory. But we have to choose. Yes, we've got to choose to travel into that place, over that bridge and enter all that God has for us in that glorious palace, the banquet that will take place, that great banquet that will happen at the end of time when all the nations will gather and they will honour the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who has purchased us through his blood and through his death and has given us salvation. And so as we take communion, let's remember that his body was broken for you. That bridge was created. Thank you, Lord, for the bridge of God that comes into our lives and has given us so much peace and so much hope and so much love and so much joy. The body of Christ, eat it in remembrance of him. Have you ever felt like you you needed a restart, a reboot? Have you felt as if life has gone too much? Well, the blood of Jesus promises to cleanse us and renew us. And even as you take communion, why don't you press that refresh button?
to come close to Christ and get right with him. Make this a very special Christmas because you have chosen to hand your whole life over to Christ and you have chosen to say yes and amen. I want to be his disciple. The Bible says before you take communion, examine yourself thoroughly. So take a moment, examine yourself, recommit your life to Christ and choose to follow him. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. Drink it. What a blessing. Thank you for joining us on this fourth Advent Sunday. We've sang the carols, thank you, to the worship group. We've celebrated the goodness of the Lord. And now let's step in to the Word of God, that God will speak to you through the Christmas message and renew that passion and that excitement for you again. A Merry Christmas to you. Only four days to go, but I tell you, in this dark time, the light of God will keep shining. It truly will. And Christ will get you through. And Christ is with you. And He will lead you. And He will not fail you. So before we hear God's words, we're going to go over and listen to the Willow One News and all that is happening this coming Christmas week. The Lord bless you. And thank you for joining us. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us at Church Online. Here is your family news. You and your family are invited to join us for Carols in Cars. Come and enjoy the sights and sounds of Christmas from the warmth of your own car. We have four events left every night until December 23rd in the parking lot at Willow Park Church in Rutland. If you'd like to attend, please pre-register at willowparkchurch.com carols. Christmas Eve is only a few days away, and we have two types of Christmas Eve services this year. You can attend one of our three drive-in services in the parking lot at Willow Park Church in Rutland, or you can join us for Christmas Eve online. For all of the details and service times, visit willowparkchurch.com slash Christmas Eve. Join us for a special live stream of Contemplating Our Way Through COVID-19 by Pastor Phil on December 28th to the 31st. Each session is about 30 minutes and we will be streaming on Facebook and at Church Online each day at 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. This course will help you discover the power of Christian meditation in overcoming difficult circumstances. Learn more at willowparkchurch.com meditation. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. All right, are we good whenever? Okay. 
Good morning, Willow Park Church. It is so good that you have joined us this morning. My name is Glenn, and I'm one of the pastors at Willow Park Church. If this is the first time you're joining us online or you're watching one of the recordings later on, then we are so glad that you are joining us. We are live right now, and uh, and I've just been given a list of a few people I want to say hello to. G from Burnaby. Welcome, Will from Pearl, Zolt and Allison. Welcome to all three of you. Wink, wink. Uh, Sean and Jewel, uh, Derek and Laurie, Bonnie, Viv, Led, Jan, S. It's so good, and I know there'll be many others joining as well. We're so glad that you've uh, that you've joined us. It's wonderful. So, in a minute, uh, Pastor Jeremy is going to come and speak and share with us about Mary and Mary's song. Uh, but before he does, just a couple of very quick announcements. First of all, we are right in the middle of carols and cars. It's been brilliant the last couple of days. I was there uh, day before yesterday helping in the car lot, and uh, it's just such a great time. So if you want to go to one of the carols and cars, we've got one tonight, that's Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night is Carols and Cars. That's right, isn't it? I think so. Right up to Christmas Eve. And uh, you can go online now and register, but be quick because the spaces are going really quick. If you go tonight, I will see you there. And it'll be lovely to see your face. And then Christmas Eve, we've got services pretty much the whole day. We've got online services, and I'll be preaching along with Pastor Phil throughout the day. And we have our outdoor drive-in carol service that is filling up incredibly quickly. The 4 p.m. is already full, uh, and I think Sarah told me this morning the 5 o'clock, uh, sorry, the 5.30 is almost full, and the 7 is filling up. So I highly recommend that you come to that, but you need to register really, really quickly. And then finally, uh, if you are considering and praying through where to give as you come to the end of 2020, then please prayerfully consider Willow Park Church. We're doing, as you can see, we're really busy trying to share the gospel in our city. We're pivoting constantly, and that's thanks to the generosity of our church family. So if you do want to give as you come to the end of the year, then you can do it online. You can drop something off at the church office. Uh, um, or if you come to Carols and Cars or Christmas Eve service, then you can give there as well. So thank you so much for that continued generosity. So I'm going to pray for Pastor Jeremy, and then he's going to come and share the word with us. And that's going to be, that's going to be wonderful. All right, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we're thankful that through the gift of technology that we can gather like this as a church to worship you. Uh, Lord, thank you, God, that you are with us, that, Lord, your promise is towards us, and that, Lord, as we celebrate Advent, the arrival, the weight of the coming King, then, God, I pray that this morning in all our different places that we're listening to this, that, Lord, your presence will be felt, that, Lord, you would speak clearly through Pastor Jeremy, and, Lord, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the instruction and the encouragement and the championing it constantly gives us. So, Lord, I pray now in the name of Jesus you would fill him with your spirit and that, God, that as he communicates that you, I know, will be lifted up and you will draw men and women and children to yourself this morning. We pray all these things in your precious name, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. Pastor Jeremy. 
Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to be here again with you guys. I'm sorry there will be no Jenga this week. I didn't bring the Jenga blocks. My kids took them. They're playing at home right now as we speak. But I did bring some Uno, so we're all good. Go grab your Uno cards. I'm just kidding. I didn't bring any games. So this is just me here this Sunday. Uh, I hope that you can... Uh... Hey, this is the last week of Christmas... Or to. This is the week of Christmas. My kids woke up today with a little bit of an extra step in their foot. This is the week that they've been waiting for all year. The week where we get to gather down the Christmas tree on Friday morning and they get to open up their presents and see all the wonderful underwears and socks that we got them. And so they're really excited. I already blew it, but because Malachi's here, he's listening. Um, anyways. We're ready to be surprised this Christmas, ready for the unexpected. We're ready to see things, you know what, that we haven't seen before. That, that's the beauty of Christmas morning, where we get to just be surprised. One of my favorite things is getting something that I didn't expect. When it comes to Christmas time, my wife, uh, she doesn't want to have a clue of what she's getting, and I'm not very good at not giving her a clue of what she's getting. Uh, I'm not very good at surprising her. I remember uh, she somehow has this like sixth sense, like she can smell the gift and she'll know what it is. I'm not sure. Like she just seems to know what she's going to get. I'm not sure if my kids are breaking the news to her. I have to kind of figure out what the uh, communication is here that she's not very surprised. But I do remember the one time I surprised her, probably the first time. Uh, And it was a gift from People's Jewelers. Come on, got some jewelry. And I hid it in the Christmas tree. Literally nobody has ever done that before. I was the first one. That's what I like to tell myself. So guys, if you're out there taking notes, this is the way to give every gift. No matter how big it is, just stick it in the Christmas tree, uh, no matter how small it is. And so she wasn't expecting it. She was surprised. I was like, this is the best. And so there's something about being surprised, something about the unexpected that, you know, it ignites something within us. Um, Truthfully, though, I have been crushing the surprises with my wife. Uh, the reason I am better at surprising her is because, you know what, she made fun of me of not being able to surprise her, so now it's my like, life goal to make sure she's surprised at every moment. And so we like to take the moment to scare her, too, now that we've taken the surprise level up a notch. And so my kids, they like to jump out, surprise her. She falls down, she cries, and then everything's good. Um, But we like these unexpected things at Christmas, the sense of surprise, the sense of not knowing what's going to happen. But I'm sure we can all agree this is the Christmas we never expected. Christmas 2020 will not be what many of us have grown up to expect most of our lives. For decades, we know we've been conditioned to expect certain, often unspoken, givens each holiday season. Some expectations may be extravagant, but many are modest. And how many of them, until now, have required us to be socially distanced from each other? Really, at the heart of all of our Christmases, at the heart of the first Christmas, our whole life has been this relational nearness, friends, family, face-to-face, God himself, he came near. He came to be with us that first Christmas. Isaiah prophesied that his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. How could we mark Christmas like the greatest breach of social distancing of all time when God himself came face to face with us by keeping our distance with each other? This just seems wrong. It seems like there's a breach. It doesn't feel right because Christmas is about nearness. And that has maybe taking the joy of Christmas away from us, not being able to be near. 
For those of us who have been spared the traumas of war and other tragedy, this Christmas 2020 will be the most unusual Christmas we've experienced. It will not be what we've come to know and expect each December. As I was doing my Advent reflection this week, and the idea of waiting uh, collided with my, our current reality. And this is what Advent's about. You know, connecting with the waiting that everybody was experiencing. And right now, we feel that. Right now, we are waiting. Right? We're waiting till we can see friends and family close up again. We're waiting till we can travel without restrictions. We're waiting for better news of COVID. We're waiting to gather in person again on Sundays. We, are, we feel the angst of waiting this year. We really feel it. Because waiting is hard. Ask my kids, you know, what the worst part of things uh, as we go throughout the week, this week, waiting's hard for them. It's close, but waiting's so hard. And when I was reflecting this Advent season about waiting and what Israel was ex- experiencing as they waited, I connected. I connected with the angst of waiting. Because they, what they were waiting for at that time, 2,000 some odd years ago, was infinitely more important than this. But with how unexpected this Christmas we are experiencing today, it's no small comfort to remember how unexpected that first Christmas was to begin with. And, and this is big, how at the heart of Christmas, it isn't God accommodating himself to our expectations and our comforts, but our learning to come awake to his ways and thoughts that are higher than ours. Our expectations are different than his he wants us to connect with him. He's not, we need to recognize that he has things planned for us. And we have to roll with the unexpected. Maybe this Christmas and this Advent, the season of waiting leading up to it, will be our chance, our long overdue, to consider afresh how unexpected that first Christmas was. How extraordinary it was. As we are experiencing an unexpected Christmas this year, hopefully, and my hope today, is that we can connect with how unexpected that first Christmas was. Perhaps this year, the tenor of Christmas 2020 will be more in tune with the surprising twists and turns of the first Christmas, rather than the ideals of our Christmas past. And as much as that first Christmas was unexpected, there was a very, very unexpected character involved in that story. And her name is Mary. And we're going to look at her response and, at, and what we can take from her response in this story. And so, let's read. We're going to turn to our text, which is Luke 1, 46-55. I'm pretty sure it's going to pop up here. Here we go. And Mary said, "'My soul glorifies the Lord.'" And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercies extend to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those across. Sorry, I kind of lost my space there. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remember to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. 
Here is Mary, and she is singing this song after she's got this news that she's going to have and be the bearer of the Savior. And before we look at her response, I want to look at Zechariah's response to some news that he got that was unexpected. And that happens just before Mary got her news that she was going to carry the Savior of the world. Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, they wouldn't have any kids. Elizabeth, she was barren. She had no children. And in those days, there was hardly anything worse than this, not having any children. Having a child meant someone to take care of you as you got older. There was no pension plans back in the day. Your child was your pension plan. It sounds terrible. But there was somebody who could take care of you and look after you in that time. It also meant you had a stake in Israel's future and the promises that were bestowed upon it. It meant that your family it could continue on and hopefully get to experience the rule of the coming king. And so that meant your line kept going on. It kept to being extended. And so for years, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they had hoped for a son. They longed for a son, longed to have a child. But after years of hope and disappointment, they had been resolved to the fact that they were never going to have a child. And so by this point, a kind of like a permanent disappointment has set in on them. Plus, then they had to deal with all the questions that come along with that. You know what, the gossip? Oh yeah, Zechariah and Elizabeth, I wonder what is wrong with them. Why can't they have children? What's going on with her? What's going on with him? I wonder why God is so displeased with them that he wouldn't bless them with a child. What don't we know about these two? What's going on? Why don't we see that's happening? Can we really trust them? We feel those questions too. As I say them, you feel the resonating of the gossip, maybe of like what's happening with that person. We, we recognize that and sometimes that adds to our disappointment. What is wrong with me? What have we done? What, why, doesn't, why, am I not, why am I being treated differently? The beauty is that everything changes in this story for them. The angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah while Zechariah is in the Holy of Holies. And this was a huge honor for Zechariah. The lot fell on Zechariah to light the incense in the Holy of Holies, the place where God's presence was housed. And in, while he was in there, an angel comes and says, Zechariah, hey, don't be afraid. Calm down. It's all good. Don't drop that light. We don't want to catch this place on fire. Your prayers have been heard, and you will have a son and name him John. Zechariah, he should be thrilled. He should be overwhelmed with joy. This is everything him and his wife had hoped for and longed for. All the prayers have finally been answered. But he says, how can I be sure of this? Like, show me some proof. Like, we're pretty old. Zechariah's refusal to believe arises out of past hurt. He has this heart full of doubt that God is capable or even able, because of his past bitterness over whether the circumstances that have been laid out before him. Zechariah thinks his bitter past trumps the promises and power of the sovereign God. And have we ever been there? Have we ever done that? Listen, if you tell me, and I struggle with this too, past pain. Tell me, hey, I think your brother, he's going to get his life right with God. And I have my doubts. And why do I have them? Because I've seen the past struggles of his life. And I'm like, you know, there was moments where it felt like it was going to happen. He was walking with him and things were going to change and it didn't and it fell through. 
And so sometimes our past hurt defines our future. But God shows up and he is capable by blessing them with a baby. Now back to the story. Zechariah, he says to the angel, he's like, what? He's like, I'm old. I'm actually, and my wife, she's advanced in years. Advanced in years is like, in Hebrew, is a much stronger phrase than old. He's like, I'm old, but my wife is older. He's like, if you look at Elizabeth's birth certificate, it actually says expired. That's what she is. And so I had some more old jokes, like Elizabeth sneezed and dust came out. And so I wanted to stop, but they just keep coming. And so since Zechariah doesn't believe, Gabriel says, you don't, won't be able to speak until he's born. Zechariah doesn't believe at that moment. And the Lord doesn't take the blessing away. Elizabeth's still going to have a baby, but he's like, you're not going to speak until... John is born. During this time of being muted, Zechariah, he learned. And when John was born, he was able to speak. And Zechariah then sang his own song. Now that we get that story, let's look at Mary's story. Because this song comes after Mary's life had truly been turned upside down. Everything had been changed in her life completely when the angel came to her and said, Hey, you're going to have a baby, and it's going to be the Savior. The unexpected had happened, an unexpected Christmas. And there should have been a lot that she was worried about. Let's look at some of these things that she experienced in this life-changing event that turned her world upside down. First, she was pregnant with the Savior of the universe. Along comes an angel who tells her this, you're going to be pregnant. She's like, um, I, I know you're an angel, and this might be a little hard to understand, but you know, there's this whole virgin thing. And the angel, he's like, oh yeah, well, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, yada, 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 and you'll be pregnant. And oh yeah, very important detail, your son is God, so don't mess it up. Like, he is the savior of the world. And so she has this pressure, first impregnated as a virgin, the son of God. And so she, is this pregnant, she has this pressure of being pregnant with the Savior of the world. That's a pretty big life-changing circumstance right there. Very unexpected. Second, with this pregnancy is coming a bad reputation. And this is a huge difference between Zechariah and Mary. Sometimes we wonder why Zechariah, he was unable to speak because of his response was of doubt. And we hear Mary's response, and she was allowed to speak. Hers wasn't more of doubt, it was more of this wonderment. But let's look at this from a different angle here. Zechariah was told he would have a child to his wife. They're married. The shock that would come would simply just because Elizabeth was old. There wouldn't be any bad rep- reputation that would come along with this pregnancy because they're married. This is part of it. It wasn't going to transform their lives and their reputation like it would marry. I mean, maybe their lives a little bit. They're, they're a bit older, having kids. You know, I, you know, playing baseball at that age is a little bit harder. But not like the transformation that Mary was going to experience. And Zechariah had this response of disbelief. And Mary a response of wonderment. Even though all of her life circumstances were being turned upside down. And for Zechariah, he was just simply getting what he'd so longed for for so many years. Mary was not just pregnant. She was pregnant 
out of wedlock. And this was a serious scandal. And add to this, she was engaged to another guy. And they live apart, so people knew that this baby wasn't his. Therefore, she would have been considered someone who was loose, someone who betrayed her fiancé. And this stained her relationship and stained reputation, stayed with her in the eyes of many for the rest of her lives. I mean, even when Jesus was old, there were some who still told the story that Mary had gotten pregnant by a Roman soldier. That stain was still there. It didn't leave once Jesus was born. It was there for the 30-odd years that Jesus was alive. That stained relationship and reputation Another thing that she had to deal with was this. She was very poor. And how do we know this? In Luke 2, 22 to 24, it says this. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. So in Leviticus 12, God commanded each Israelite to dedicate their firstborn to God by means of an offering. That was because in Exodus, God had spared the lives of all of Israel's firstborn sons if they put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. When the death angel saw the blood of the lamb, he passed over the house and he spared their son. So, when they gave birth to their firstborn now, they were to travel to the temple and offer a lamb to commemorate that. That was a practice that still held because of those many, many years ago in Leviticus, in Exodus, sorry. Now, this text says that Mary and Joseph offered two pigeons instead of a lamb, which is an important detail to note. Because this was an exception made for exceptionally poor families. If you couldn't afford a lamb, you could offer two pigeons or two turtle turtle doves or a partridge in a pear tree, whatever. The song can continue on. So Mary is a poor teenage girl that possibly has a forever stained image. And on top of that, her marriage was still up in the air. At the time that she sang this song, her marriage, there was no like, we hear the story and we're like, oh, Joseph, he's such a good guy. And it just changed right then and there. But she's probably married 14, 15, 16 years old. They got married young back then. She's being betrothed to Joseph. And naturally what happens next? A young girl gets all amped up. She's on Pinterest, you know, a pin in her wall, what she wants her wedding to look like. She's practicing signing her new last name, Joseph, or Mary the Carpenter, whatever her last name's going to be. She's naming her future children, everything. Nope, not Mary. Mary is busy trying to convince her fiancé that she hasn't been running around on him. She's facing the prospect of forever living as a lonely woman seen as damaged goods. In a time where they have very little way of providing for themselves. The angel didn't even tell Joseph about this until several months later. It wasn't instantaneously, as I said, we think. It wasn't until a couple, a handful of months later. So when Mary is writing this, when she's singing this song, the man she loves, she's not sure what's going to happen. This is an unexpected marriage. She's very poor. She is facing a bad reputation. She's carrying the Son of God. This is not what Mary was expecting. 
This is not what Israel was expecting in regards to a Savior. This was what they were, they were expecting when they heard that someone was coming to save and rescue them. The amazing thing, though, is that through all this uncertainty of what lies ahead for Mary, she sings this wonderful song. Her life turned upside down. In the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of all the circumstances, we see this joy come over Mary, and she sings this wonderful song. This is what's happening in her life. All these changes, the unexpectedness of everything. But it doesn't seem to matter to her. Because she knows if God can do this in her life, come down as a baby, a miraculous birth, a miraculous conception, then he can do anything. Do we feel that right now? Do we feel that joy of Christmas, that joy that Mary's experiencing in the midst of the uncertainty that we're going through right now? in the midst of our unsettled circumstances, in the midst of everything being turned upside down this Christmas, in the midst of all the changes that we're experiencing, we can resonate with Mary that she had this unexpected experience. But the beauty of her story is that this joy came to be with her, to dwell within her, to reside with her. And that's what Christmas And what the the story of Jesus coming shows us, joy with us in the midst of it all, in the midst of the uncertainty. This song is a song of thankfulness to God that he chose her. She's remembering the thankfulness of Jesus coming to be with her and God choosing to come back to us. And this is what it's about. God choosing to come to be with us, to dwell with us, to live with us again. With Mary and Zechariah, we see two different approaches to life in response to God. And these are approaches that we need to take and see in our lives right now. Something that we can take inventory of. How do I respond when life circumstances happen in this unexpected time? There is this response, a bottom-up response. And what this means is it starts with you in your life. And we see this with Zechariah. Your experiences, your feelings, your circumstances, and your emotions, they are projected onto God. So it starts from here, bottom, and it goes up. So when things are good, you feel like God cares about you. Things are good in my life. Uh, things are going well. I got a sweet parking spot. You know, I, I found that last Christmas gift. The Lord's good. He's highly favored in my life. And so things are good. So God is good. We're projecting our feelings and our, proje- and our emotions, and we're defining them, how we feel in that moment, onto God. He's good because I feel good right now. This bottom-up approach. When things are bad, you feel like God doesn't care about you. Woe is me. Well, where are you at, God? Why don't you love me? Well, like, you look at all these things happen in my life. You're like, this must be that I've done something wrong. You're this judging God that you're going to def- change everything in my life. Forget about the promises that you've said. I've obviously done some bad things. And so, this is an emotional roller coaster. Whatever you're feeling that day is the emotion that you project onto God. 
So it makes it feel like God, he's a bit wishy-washy, this bottom-up approach. He's changing every day. He's never the same. And Zechariah was one response of emotion, where he didn't feel God cared about him in that area. He projected his experience of not having a baby onto God. So his experience, it was the view now that he felt that he had God, even when God said, you're going to have a son can't be. Then there's this top-down approach. A top-down approach. This assumes that God is who he says he is according to the Bible, which reveals God's character, his nature, and his attributes. This begins with believing that God, he is good. He is always all together. He is good. He made everything good. His plan that he has continues to work out for us is good. And Mary lived with this top-down approach. God is good. In the midst of everything, in the midst of my circumstances, he's still good. Even though everything has changed around me in my life, God is still good. He's so good. Mary, she was probably illiterate due to her life circumstances, being poor and a female back in that day. She most likely heard the scriptures read to her only in the synagogues. She obviously committed them to mind and to heart. She let them resonate within her. And now she's going to choose to live her life in this top-down approach. God is good. Everything that I've heard being read and spoken in the Word, God is good. Who is God? What does the Bible have to say about Him, His plans and His purposes? Now I'm going to live in light of that, is what Mary is saying. What I've heard read over me, I'm going to live knowing that He is true in those scriptures. Then Mary, she focuses on what she knows to be true about God in her situation, in her circumstances. And because of that, she could not help but sing in the midst of uncertainty. Ella Fitzgerald, the first lady of song, she said, the only thing better than singing is more singing. And so what we see from Mary, what Mary shows us, and what we can apply to our lives is this, is that our theology... The theology is the study of God. As it becomes our biography, as it be, collides with our personal story, then it should lead to doxology. It should lead to this praising of God. And so as we have this, we read the Bible and we see what, who God is, and as we, it resonates with us, the study of God, and as it collides with our personal life, when circumstances come and when things happen in our life, we, we see that God is good because of our study, and it collides with our personal story, then it should lead us to praise Him, to doxology. Isn't that a great description? Theology, biography, to doxology. What it shows me is this, is that all good things end in, the, uh, end in the letter Y. That's me, Jeremy. Sorry, just kidding. Not all good things end in the letter Y. So what it means is that our relationship with God invades and impacts our life, and we should be praising Him. Mary, she shows us this practice. She shows us that as she knows who God is, and as it collides with her life, it just leads her to singing, singing songs of praise to him. Her understanding of God has now become personal. God has come to dwell with her, and all she can do is just praise him, worship him. 
Because of this theology, Mary recognized this, that she is blessed. She says that she is blessed. Everything that she might experience in the eyes of the world, the unexpected twist of her life is blessed. Everything that she is, I've said that she was going to experience being very poor, having a reputation that wasn't solid in the eyes of people, and that she had this marriage that she wasn't sure was going to work out, she considered it blessed. She wasn't expecting this for her life. It was unexpected. But what the blessing was, God with her. That's it. Jesus with us. Everything that we need. The joy of the world inside of us. And so what's so remarkable about this is that she sings this song. And as she sings it, she just continually says, I'm just blessed. In verse 3, she even boldly claims this. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. She's like, so blessed. She isn't saying this simply because now she's tied to the birth of Jesus. You know, she's now famous, you know, Mary and Jesus. Like, she's like, my story is now written in history. This isn't like me saying, like, you know, Russell Crowe is my uncle. He's not. I really wish he was. But she is saying this because Jesus is the blessing. I'm, she's like, I'm so blessed because of God with me. I'm so blessed because he's, he's living and residing in me. I, he's in, I am, I'm carrying the Son of God. So, since Jesus is the blessing, we can all say that we are blessed. That from now on, all generations will call us blessed because of God with us, Jesus with us. That is the blessing she is carrying. The blessing consisted of his presence with us, and Mary can't help it. She cannot help it. She says, God is my Savior. He has looked on me. I was hungry. You fed me. I was lowly. You exalted me. Nothing has changed in her circumstances. She is not rejoicing what God has given her, she, or what God has given to her, but what God has become to her. God has become the Savior, the Christ that she was looking for. And at this point, Christ in her is her only exaltation. The baby in her womb is her only fullness, her only sustenance, her only salvation is this baby growing inside of her, this salvation growing inside of her. Mary is showing us that joy isn't defined by our circumstances, but by who is with us. Even though her life has been turned upside down, even though she is not knowing what to expect next, she doesn't care. God is everything that I need. She's showing that God is everything that we need. This first picture of Jesus with with us is a picture that shows us no matter what is unexpected in our lives, what is unexpected as we're going through today, our joy is simply found in Jesus. The everlasting joy. The joy to the world. This was the joy that we are to experience. This was the joy that everybody was waiting for. I want to close with this. Mary, she is described as Theotokos. 
Theotokos it means this, the mother of God or God-bearer. You know, as we read through the gospel and apply it to our lives, I would tell the Bible school students this. You know, as we read through the, Bible, or through the gospels, and we, we do it in a personal way and where we're reflecting as part of our personal devotion, when we read through, you know, what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's this picture of Jesus and there's a picture of us. So one character is Jesus, one character is us. And so as we read this story, this story is simple, right? We are seen as Mary. Jesus is Jesus. Mary is us, Jesus is Jesus. So as we take this section of Scripture, we see us in Mary. We see what we're supposed to do. We are to be these pictures of Theotokos. These pictures of God-bearers. Jesus dwelling inside of Mary. We accept Jesus, right? And his dwells inside of us because when he went to the cross, his spirit ascended so that we all can come to know and accept him, to love him. And now that when we accept him, the spirit of God comes and lives inside of us and now we become God-bearers. And so as a God-bearer, Mary, she has so much joy because of the Savior living within her no matter the circumstance. And so the question I asked to you today is, do you have that joy inside of you? Do you respond like Mary in these unexpected circumstances? Do you, do you feel as if you are a God-bearer? Have you made that commitment that saying, you know what, I need to come to Jesus and when you do that, he comes and he dwells inside of you. And now you become this God-bearer. You become this picture of Theotokos. And for those who ex- have accepted him, are you joyful? Do you, do you recognize the joy of the world is living inside of you? That you are a bearing image of Jesus when you say, I accept him into my life and that it's in there with you? And so with Mary, we see that she now, she gives birth to the Savior. And so what this picture means is that she brings the Savior to the world, is that we are now to help bring the story of Jesus to the world, that we are actually supposed to birth something too. She gave birth to the joy of the world, the joy that everybody was longing for. She distributed joy, and we are to be distributors of joy too. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus has come to enflesh himself through us now. So we can become distributors of joy. Are we distributors of joy in this time, in the unexpected Christmas? Do people look at us and they're like, in the midst of everything, that person has complete joy? Because we should be just oozing joy because of who is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. The joy inside of us. In the midst of any circumstance, we should know his, his presence with us is everything that we need. So we too are to become images of Theotokos. And how have we become images of Theotokos? Church family, you've done such a spectacular job with these stockings. Over 350 filled. That's over $17,000. When we, you guys teamed up to fill a stocking, to sew a stocking, and then we went to deliver these stockings these past week, that was us being distributors of joy, being images of Theotokos, the God-bearers. 
When we go out and sing carols in the songs of our Savior, if you've come and you've signed up to volunteer to sing carols in cars, and even if you come to the shows on the nights, that's being an image of Theotokos, spreading joy. When you go and you sponsor a family this Christmas and to help them out, knowing the circumstances they go through, that's being a joy bearer, an image of Theotokos. The joy living inside of you, and then you being a distributor of joy. When we help those in need, we become distributors of Jesus. Helping others in unexpected events in their life that they're going through. Being that joy of the Lord that they're looking for. So the question I want to leave you as I close is, are you being a Theotokos? Birthing something that produces the image of God this season. Because we have the joy of the world inside of us. In Mary's unexpected, life-changing, altering circumstances, she didn't, didn't matter to her because now God was with us. We should feel the same in this unexpected Christmas too. Even though I know it's hard and I know it's tough, I'm going through the same thing. I wish I could dwell with the people I love most this Christmas. I wish I could be with you guys this Sunday and you being right in front of me. But in the midst of the unexpected, I know that I have this joy living inside of me and I want people to know it this season. So let's be spreaders of joy this Christmas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you came to be with us. And as we look at this story of Mary and the song that she sings and the crazy circumstances that have portrayed her life in that moment, Lord, we take from it that she had everything she needed because you were with her now. Lord, and I want to be just like that, recognizing that this Christmas, you with me is everything I need and there's others who need it too and I want to be a spreader of joy this Christmas. And so, Lord, as we close off our screens today, and as we wonder what the day holds and what our week holds, Lord, I pray that we would go knowing that we have the joy of the world inside of us. And that even though what we're experiencing is unexpected, everyone's experienced an unexpected Christmas. And we have this beautiful opportunity to show that joy is not defined by our circumstances, but by who is with us so we can be an image of Theotokos. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining this Sunday morning. Hopefully, see you at Carols and Cars tonight, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and sign up for Christmas Eve services. We'd love for you to drive up and to celebrate the season with us. Thank you, guys. Amen.